You're listening to Renewing Religion, a podcast about worship, social duties, and spirituality featuring an overview of Imam al-Ghazali's Ihya. This podcast is brought to you by Seekers Hub. This Ramadan, our goal is to raise $75,000 in monthly donations to build a global Islamic seminary so that dedicated students all over the world can complete their journeys and become Islamic scholars. You can help them by becoming a monthly donor at seekershub.org slash donate. الذي لم يلد ولم يولد ولم يكن له كفوا أحد والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه ومن والاه اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله صلاة تنجينا بها من جميع الأهوال والآفات وتزكينا بها من جميع الأهواء والشهوات وتطهرنا بها من جميع السيئات وتقضي لنا بها جميع الحاجات وترفعنا بها أعلى الدرجات وتبلغنا بها أقصى الغايات من جميع الخيرات في الحياة وبعد الممات السلام عليكم ورحمة الله كيف حالكم؟ الحمد لله We're looking today at the arrangement of litanies or awrad and an exposition about the benefits of Qiyamul Layl. As you remember, yesterday we looked at the uh, importance of uh, remembrance of Allah Azza wa Jal, dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and the importance of dua. So now, this would be the last topic in the first quarter of the book about ibadat. And... Imam Ghazali, rahimullah, before he bridges between ibadat and between mu'amalat, he ends on dhikr of Allah Azza wa Jal, dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and then the importance of a schedule of dua and dhikr. So I think to try to summarize the chapter, uh, we need to bear in mind this fact. I think all of us know that life is a journey. Life is a journey, as some of our ulama say, back home to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That we were, I was born to die. I was born to die and to journey back home. And home is Jannah, where we came from, where our father and mother lived and resided and stayed in the divine presence with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala until they were, uh, they were made in some way to journey to earth. And now the journey for me and you is a journey back home to Jannah. And uh, Imam al-Ghazali, rahimullah, he begins with that beautiful image that life is a journey. And the destination is one of two destinations, either the garden or the fire. And as I traverse the journey, uh, the way that I traverse the journey can be measured in so many ways. Uh, one way that I can measure it is by my 
my breath. Uh, as I think it was Hassan al-Basri, rahimullah, as he said, that we are nothing but a aggregation of breaths. Uh, a certain set amount that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has decreed. And whenever I breathe, uh, and a breath of mine departs, a part of me dies until the allotted time when I will journey to the next world and ultimately my destination is to meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and either the abode with Him or to be veiled from Him. So if this is my journey and the journey of life uh, and ultimately the journey of, of my life is going to culminate in a meeting and that meeting is the liqa with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala of infinite majesty and infinite beauty. And as I meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah is concerned really with one thing. Allah is concerned about what kind of a heart I bring to Him. يَوْمَ لَا يَنْفَعُ مَالٌ وَلَا بَنُونَ says our father Ibrahim salam on that day, nothing of power or possessions will benefit us except the one who comes to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who brings to Allah a qalb that is salim a heart that is sound so this sound heart is characterized by two things one that it knows Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and as we said yesterday, remember, that the functions of the heart are essentially three, to know, to feel, and to will and to desire. So this heart has desired Allah and has taken the journey to Him. And the heart arrives at Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knowing Him experientially. Meaning it has experienced His tawheed, His unicity, it has lived and spoken and acted in accordance to that and it reaches Allah knowing Him. And number two, it reaches Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala muhibban lahu, loving Him. That is attached, the heart is attached to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, my greatest attachment inside of emotions, of feelings, of drives, of love, of hope, uh, of... Uh, of solace, of intimacy, is with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this qalb that is salim, it's pure, it's sound, it's beautiful, it reaches Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knowing Him, and it reaches Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loving Him. Now the journey is that, do I attain a qalb that is salim? And the journey has capital and the capital of the journey is time the most important thing that we have the most important thing and the dearest and most precious thing that I have in my journey is time and every time time goes by a part of me dies in one way so the value of time is critical the value of time, the preciousness of time. Uh, one of the ulama, rahimullah, he says that, uh, ma fataka 
Whatever passes you by, there is no substitute. And whatever you attain of the moment, you know, we speak about the now, right? Um, popular spiritual culture speaks about living in the now. Well, Muslims have that concept and had it for centuries to live in the present, meaning to live in the waqt, in the moment, and to be an abd of the of the moment, meaning what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala want for me in this moment? What are the rights upon me? What are the rights upon me vis-a-vis the creation? What are the rights upon me vis-a-vis Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? So whatever whatever I don't attain, whatever slips by me, whatever slips through my fingers of those rights and rituals and ibadat, uh, there is there's no substitute. I can never I can never make up for that. Even though legally I make up for it later, and I make qada, for example, uh, I will never be able to attain the spiritual benefit of it at that time. So I've lost it. And whatever I am able to attain, meaning whatever I was able to uh, do uh, and uh, acquire uh, of, of ibadat, of time, la it is, it is beyond value. It cannot be measured by value. Why? Because that is the instrument and the means by which I attain akhirah. And akhirah is eternal. And so that action of mine, uh, if it is sincere and pure, uh, and if it allows me to attain that which is eternal and everlasting and never-ending, you can imagine that that has an eternal value. Al-Baqiyatu Salihat The things that truly last, says Allah Azza wa Those things that endure, right? The things that have true meaning. So the importance of time. The importance of time as the capital of my journey to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the journey of my heart and that my heart needs to be emotionally attached in love to Allah Azza wa and my heart needs to be uh, aware, knowing experientially of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, the way to attain a heart that knows Allah and the way to attain a heart that loves Allah is through dhikr and fikr. Remembrance of Allah Azza wa Jal, the divine remembrance, cleanses the heart, cleans the heart, purifies the heart, adorns the heart, ornaments the heart, and it allows me to attain an emotional attachment to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala of uns and mahabba, of solace and of, of love, of attachment. And fikr, pondering on the meanings of those adhkar, pondering on the meanings of the names and attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That reflection allows me to attain an, an experiential knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or ma'rifah. So, dhikr, and in all of its forms, because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in His love and in His grace and generosity has made dhikr, variegated 
there isn't only one sort of dhikr. As you know, Quran, Salah, Salawat, Dua, Tadabbur, Reflection. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows that only one form of those adhkar leads to, how shall we say, spiritual malaise, spiritual tiredness. I don't want to use the word boredom, but if you only do one form of dhikr, it's difficult to do that. And so Allah Ta'ala has varied it. And therefore, Quran, and then when you, when you, you, know, when you are, are full with Quran, then adhkar, then dua, then salawat, then reflection. And the capital of life now means essentially that I need to devote my time and energy constantly and assiduously towards dhikr and fikr. And the Imam gives a very beautiful analogy, and I think all of us have an experience with this. You know, the drop of water, the drop of water that keeps hitting the rock, what happens? It has an effect on the rock. For example, if you're by the ocean, then you'll notice that the rocks by the ocean are very smooth. The waves come, the waves go. The waves come, the waves go. And that constant, consistent motion if has a powerful effect on rock. So that's one example. Another more, even I, I think stark example is the drop that keeps dropping and dropping and dropping and it affects rock after a while. It takes time takes consistency, but it affects the rock. Versus the, you know, the flood or the torrential rain that comes once a season. Right? Does it affect the rock? It doesn't affect the rock. And that's why he said, Sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam, Ahabu al-a'mal ilallahi subhanahu wa ta'ala adwamuha wa in qalla. The most beloved acts to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are the most enduring and the most consistent even though they are small, like the drop. So my, my time, the point being that my time now, that is the most precious thing to me in my journey of a sound heart, it must be devoted uh, persistently and assiduously and uh, with dedication towards filling my hours, filling my day, filling my night, in dhikr and fikr. So this is really the substance of the chapter. And then Imam al-Ghazali, rahimullah, uh, you know, he divides the day into sections. He divides the night into sections. And each part has a prescribed form of adhkar and fikr. Uh, and that in harmony with what is received, uh, what we have received from the sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam. The word wird, which is litany, so arad are litanies. Wird is actually a place of water and a place of drinking. And a morid is a place where you go to find and quench, find water and quench your thirst. And the orad, the orad are the nourishments of the heart by which we quench the thirst for the divine, by which we natazawad uh, bidalika. We, 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 um, how would you say that? We 
we furnish ourselves. We, we, um, we, uh, help me. <laughs> Uh, we, 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 we take provisions for the journey through the awrad. Uh, we take our zad, we take the provisions for our journey through the awrad. Now, that will be the summary of the chapter. I elected not to look at the specifics because they're, they're, you know, he divides the day into six parts and the night into five parts. And each one of those has a prescribed adhkar depending on the state of the individual. It depends. For example, the student has a particular um, emphasis in their awrad, and the scholar another emphasis, and the ruler another emphasis, and the layperson another emphasis. But nonetheless, the common denominator is that all of us, all of them, need our awrad. So practically speaking, in the next few minutes, some thoughts. First of all, number one, the importance of having a wird. The importance of simply having that. Especially in a culture where that's not important, even within our Muslim culture. You know, sometimes if you would sit for a few extra minutes after salah in dhikr, someone might say, you know, look at that person. You know, why doesn't he get up and work? As though dhikr is not work. Why doesn't he get up and do something? You know, look at that Sufi. <laughs> you know, and you're just sitting for a few minutes after Salah. So our culture as Muslims is, we don't give preeminence to the importance of awrad. And we don't link the importance of awrad, as we spoke about yesterday, with correct thinking, correct feeling, correct action, in that ayah that we looked at in Surah Al-Kahf. So the importance for me of keeping presence of heart by structuring my day, depending on my circumstances, around awrad, litanies of dhikr and dua, number one. Number two, a beautiful hadith of his, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Yabna Adam, tafarragh li'ibadati. O child of Adam, free yourself, empty yourself, from my ibadah. So beautiful. Tafarrag. In two ways. Empty your heart for me. And number two, empty your time and schedule for my ibadah. And if you do that, the promise comes, I will fill your heart with richness. And I will guarantee you freedom from poverty. And if you don't engage in that Tafarrugh for me, amla qalbaka shughlan. I'll fill your heart with worries and distress. Walam asudda faqrak. And I will not guarantee you freedom from poverty. And oftentimes the reason why we don't engage in awrad and structure our day around remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is because we fear poverty. We fear poverty. And so we give less time to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, less quality time to Allah azza wa jal. And we think that in the work that we do as we conceive it, we will attain happiness. And here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that if you make me a priority, depending on times and circumstances, and that varies, 
But if, we, if you make me a priority in that tafarruq, in that effort to free your heart for me, to free your time and schedule for me, I guarantee you. I guarantee you that I will fill your heart. See, you empty and I fill. You empty your schedule, your time, your heart for Allah Azza wa Jal in acts of ibadah. And Allah Ta'ala says, I will fill. I will fill your chest, your heart with richness and I will fill your life with sufficiency. But if you don't do that, you will always have worries and concern and no matter how hard you work, you will never guarantee yourself freedom from poverty. So the importance of tafarruq. And then lastly, Ramadan. Ramadan offers a wonderful opportunity for me to uh, fill my life with adhkar in a gradual way. And to, and to take advantage of the most prime spiritual moments during the day. So what would some of those be? We have to wake up to, to eat, right? To wake up to eat. So that's sahar time. So that time before fajr is very, very blessed for dua and for istighfar. And we have to be up anyway. So we could spend five, ten minutes in istighfar and dua. And then after fajr, you've eaten after fajr, uh, we're probably going to pray Fajr early, which is good, alhamdulillah. And then to spend some of that time in, in dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Especially because Ramadan, the doors of Jahannam are closed, the doors of Jannah are open. There are no shayateen to, to nag at us and to bother us. So we have an added opportunity and energy to, to engage in dhikr in the morning. Then the salah during the day. So that's two. Number three, and then if we can stay up until Ishraq on some days, that's wonderful to do. And to pray Turak'ah of Doha. But at the very least, we can take advantage every day of the time before Fajr. And then the time before Maghrib. Because we're focused on breaking our, on opening our fast. Let's not say breaking the fast. We're focused on opening the fast. And so we should use ten minutes before Maghrib. Dua Dhikr, istighfar. We can do that. And then, you know, in Cape Town, they're fasting, and I think they end at 6 o'clock. Here we end after Salah, Taraweeh, by 12. So those extra raka'at of Taraweeh, alhamdulillah, to do. And we can add to that one or two and take advantage of Qiyamul Layl. Take advantage of that. So through Ramadan, at least two of the blessed times and three, some raka'at at night, the time before Sahar, the time before Maghrib. At least those three we can always take advantage of. And that's a, a wonderful start to, the, to structuring our day around Ibadah. And then lastly I would add is no Salah that's made in haste is a good Salah. And really when they speak about habits, they speak about a linchpin habit. You know, if you want to develop good habits, oftentimes habits, the good habits, uh, there tends to be a major sort of a, a linchpin habit that everything else revolves around. And for the Muslim, it's salah. So to take time in my salah during Ramadan, not to hasten, 
to pray my sunan and to always I remind myself and you to sit in dhikr and dua after salah never to get up never to be hasty to take five minutes and sit in dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to force myself to do that because it's not easy the nafs doesn't want to do that it doesn't like to do that it wants to get up and do something meaning it wants to run away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala if the reality is known and so to go against that to go against that impulse and that drive and force oneself to sit for five minutes and if I do that for every salah that's 25 minutes of focused khalwa focused dhikr and that's the intent of that because he sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he sat after salah it was his sunnah to do that so that time should be always dedicated focused khalwa time five minutes after every salah and then I can connect some dua to that as we said yesterday to impose upon myself a wird of dua at least twice a day once a day twice three times a day I must be in dua in particular when I don't want to be in dua because sitting in dhikr and sitting in dua is mujahada until Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by his grace and tawfiq makes that sweet and beloved to us and then we want to do that but before we get there, I have to impose it upon myself. May Allah Azza wa Jal allow us to listen to the words of our, of our teachers and uh, follow the best of them and practice them. Because uh, our knowledge is not, we don't, learn to, we don't learn to learn. I remind myself and you, we don't learn to learn, we learn to do. We don't learn to learn, we learn to do. And so what we learn from him, Rahimahullah, uh, I must find a way to do. Uh, usually they say that, you know, after you learn something, put it into practice immediately. Because chances are if days go by and you don't do that, and don't find a way to incorporate that into your schedule and your life, you won't do that. We learn not to learn, but we learn to do. So I asked the brothers and I got some permission from our shiuch that uh, they, you know, in the remaining time before Maghrib, in, the, in these few days we have together, it would be good to practice dua together. Maybe we'll do that you know, audibly at times, but silently as well. So between now and Maghrib, you know, take five, six, seven, eight minutes, if possible, as long as possible. F five minutes. <laughs> we'll start with five, then inshallah maybe six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and um, practice. Practice being in dua for these moments until Maghrib, and we try to do that as a wird, as a practical wird of, of our of our sharing and learning together, uh, that it becomes something, inshallah, habitual and and beloved. So, ala barakatillah, inshallah, if you would, uh, you, you can you can face qibla, you can you can not if you want, and uh, and to and to and to stay in dua in these times when Allah Subhanahu wa Taala looks upon our hearts with rahmah and a gaze of uh, and a gaze of acceptance because we're, we're trying in some way to fast and whatever we ask for we have the high hope and the high himmah that it's, it's, it's heard and answered by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that we should ask with himmah uh, meaning we shouldn't ask for trivial things though we can do that as well but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, Allah, Allah is azim 
and we should ask and, and have high himma in what we ask from him, subhanahu wa ta'ala. Thank you for listening to this Seekers Hub podcast. To listen to the rest of our shows, please visit seekershub.fm. You can also subscribe to our weekly email newsletter called Compass, where we'll send the best of Seekers Hub's content straight to your inbox every single week. To get on the list, visit seekershub.org slash compass.